Warning, this podcast is about a piece of animation that is unfixable, and we make no attempt to fix it. Stay tuned, please. Really, like, don't leave us alone with this movie. I don't want to know what happens. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and shoehorned characters into a beloved property. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're discussing... If you listened last week, we're discussing Tom and Jerry, colon, Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory. Why we're doing it, I feel like we're doing it for the good of everybody else. Yeah, this the internet picked up when this was announced and made fun of how horrible it looked and the trailer. And then we actually watched it. And it delivers what it promises. We, we want to confirm that the trailer is not a lie. In this case, the trailer shows you just how good things get. <laughs> Possibly better than the movie actually is. Yeah, because it ends in two minutes as opposed to <laughs> over an, an hour and 20. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's the best thing about the trailer. Oh, it's over now. Good. I can move on mm. with my life. I don't need to think about this anymore. Now, normally on this show... We don't like talking about something solely to make fun of it. We don't really enjoy like hate listening to things or hate watching things because it's not fun to just watch things that are bad just to mock them. But I think sometimes we have to look to see if there is a lesson to be learned from something that's not as successful as other things. I'll put it that way, mm-hmm. to be completely, <clears throat> what's the word? Transparent? Yeah. Mm. I mean, so, sometimes it's, it's I, I think you have to look at unsuccessful things to remind yourself what things you actually need in your story to tell a good story. Yeah, and we like talking about things that are Bad and acknowledged by creators to be bad um, because we can see where they could be fixed. And we love talking about that. We use the writer emergency pack um, and discuss how an episode or film could have been saved. This one, I think, might be unsalvageable. I don't think there's anything worthwhile about this conceit, this concept, um, anything about this. And it's like the, the marketers know because you can't rent this movie. It's only available for digital purchase at time of recording, I believe. I think it'll come up for rental later, I believe. So. But they want you to buy it. They're trying to make parents buy it. Because <sighs> they know it's something you're only ever going to watch once. Yeah, and I did leave the writer emergency pack at home because it, it does seem like a unsurmountable task to to try to figure out what went wrong it's it's like trying to save leo the lion in the editing room (laughs) (laughs) but leo the lion to be fair feels like an unfinished movie this feels like a finished movie (laughs) yes it is polished 
polished being a very loose interpretation of the word, but yes. Let's let's just say any word that sounds positive may or may not or should be heard with air quotes surrounding it as we discuss this film. Mm-hmm. Anything that sounds like a uh, positive thing or a compliment should be taken as if twere air quotes surrounding it. Twer about air quotes. Yes, Shakespeare I, air quotes. I didn't mean to, but I, 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 I panicked. I got defensive for some reason as we're discussing this episode, this movie. Yeah, we we have nothing to defend. I know, dear creators of this movie, if you're listening to this, I I hope that we say something that can. Uh, I shouldn't say creators of this movie, producers, financiers of this movie. I I fully believe that the people who created this artistically in terms of visual and writing tried their best with the very little money and time that they were given. That's my honest belief. You do see effort in there. That's one thing that, that is obvious is there is effort. There is artistry. And again, twer, air quotes. <laughs> air quotes. But not, not so severely. I mean, I'll say this. Tom and Jerry look like Tom and Jerry throughout. They do. Charlie does not. Yeah. It's a human- I kept mixing up Charlie with the other kid with the red turtleneck. Yeah. The characters are a little bit inconsistent in very many ways. Very many Visually, ways. Visually, writing dialogue <laughs> so let's let's look at this so for an overview of why somebody would make a movie about Willy Wonka you could listen to last week's episode where we talked about Willy Wonka parodies but it, let's get into this because they decided and I use they because I have no idea who decided this <laughs> they decided <laughs> to put together, Tom and Jerry and, you know, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Now, any, any of our listeners from Columbus, Ohio, they tried to Jenny's ice cream this. They tried to, like, put, like, goat cheese and berries <laughs> into ice cream and make it into something awesome. But they didn't do it like Jenny's. They didn't Jenny's this. If they did Jenny's this, then it just has... Um, it got contaminated it, somehow in they, the kitchen. It's like they learned the name of the Jenny's Sunday, the gravel, um, which is all about putting chunks of chocolate and nuts and things in it. It's called a gravel. And they took that very literally and put like chunks of rocks and gravel into the ice cream and thought that that was the exact same thing. <laughs> That's what this movie is. It is the literal trans transmutation of a Jenny's gravel Sunday. I really hope that Jenny's listens to this. Dear Jenny's Ice Cream, please retweet this because we're complimenting your ice cream and talking about poor knockoffs of it, which I have strong opinions about. <laughs> wouldn't that be, if we're talking about Willy Wonka things, wouldn't that be great to like go to the Jenny's factory and see how things are made? Oh, I've actually been there. Ah. I applied for a job there one time and then like did an in-person, and that's a side note. This is back in the day <laughs> where they had a kitchen. They don't do have that anymore. It wouldn't be relevant to their current business model. Anyway, I want to see that. There's some free, there's some marketing for you. Think about how you can do a Jenny's ice cream factory Willy Wonka thing. (laughs) 
Get a top hat. That's all you really need. Top hat and t-shirt. Now I'm just really looking forward to their tweet back of like when we tweeted at Jenny's. <laughs> in our podcast about storytelling and animation, we talk about your ice cream. Just to okay. talk about how this could have okay. <laughs> Let me ask this question before we get deep into our meat and intensely small potatoes. Small potatoes. <laughs> I'm gonna go Very like small. Like it's or is there even any meat? I think this is just a total small potatoes episode. This is just small mm-hmm. potatoes in here. Um, if you were given as a writer, here are these two properties: Tom and Jerry, which are their own thing, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is its own thing, and told, put these together. Is there any alternate dimension where that movie turned out to be good? Yes, here's what it is. Spike is Willy Wonka, so the dog is in charge of the factory. It's a cat food factory that Tom wins a ticket to with other cats, and Jerry and the other mice are the Oompa Loompas. Done. Wow, you made that... That was just so easy for you. And then all the other cats have their rival mice. That's like all about the, it's parallel versions of Tom and Jerry. And here's, here's the problem then with what you just did. What Tom and Jerry, colon, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory does is they take Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory essentially wholesale. Yeah. So if, if, we, if we go back to the Jenny's thing, this is just the ice cream just as it is. Here it is. I just scoop it out of the barrel. We put it in. This is exactly it. Wholesale. Characters, the main plot, the music, um, everything except the voice acting. (laughs) Um, And the charm. You take all that. (laughs) And the lifelike eyes. (laughs) Right. You take all that just wholesale. Here's here's everything. Because you own it. So why not just use the thing? And then you take Tom and Jerry, this foreign entity, and insert them in. Essentially what they're doing is they're trying to do Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead for characters that were never in the original. Mm-hmm. They're trying to do Lion yeah. King one and a half with characters that had nothing to do with this property at all. And there was no Lion King one in the first place. It's just Lion King half. <laughs> exactly. You're not like, well, you know, remember when you saw Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factor and you were like, yeah, but what are the cat and mouse doing this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real question I want to know. What were Tom and Jerry doing while the plot was happening of this movie? And I think the second biggest sin that this film, again, film in air quotes, commits <laughs> is that it assumes that you know the plot of the original movie or it just doesn't care. So, like, it kind of makes sense if you're a kid experiencing the Willy Wonka story for the first time by watching Tom and Jerry, Colton, Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory. For some reason, your parent has decided to subject you to this as your first experience. Not even Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. This movie. Um, I don't know that it fully, completely makes sense as a plot if you haven't seen the original movie first. Yes. 
you have to know Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You have to have seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for any of this plot, again, air quotes, to make sense. <laughs> and I wouldn't call it a comedy. It's like they took the slapstick of Tom and Jerry and put it on top of the drama of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Not to make Willy Wonka a funny, pure comedic movie, which it has its moments. It just made Tom and Jerry dramatic in a bad way. Like the moment where this hit me the most is their their Gene Wilder knockoff is air quotes singing pure imagination and they're just doing like cat and mouse slapstick like who needs to jazz up pure imagination because it's boring with slapstick. Yeah. It's like you know what this is really missing is a cat hitting a mouse over the head with candy. Mm-hmm. That's what this we song is missing. That. And they run past all the main characters to go off to do their own thing. And it's like, now, the thing that they tried to do, they tried to do, was make Tom and Jerry integral to the plot. Because they are not at all. And I'd say they're still not after watching this. No, they're still not. But you see moments where they're like, you know what? Let's have Tom and Jerry be important at this moment, but not for any reason that's character driven. It's just, let's make them responsible for this. Let's make them responsible for that. And then it makes them seem like they should be in, they should have been here the whole time. But it, in the end, it it doesn't really work. So, should we talk about the... Uh, I know that many of our listeners have probably seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but I feel like we should almost go through this from beginning to end in terms of hitting like where things are off and how things ended up worse. Well, I do think... Well, okay. I feel like talking about character and characterization in this movie is like its own whole discussion. Let's talk about that first then. Okay. Uh, There's no character consistency. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> well, well let's, do, let's let's do this. So when you when you're writing a story, you have to think of your plot, you know, things that happen, which they stole the what things happen from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So, hey, case closed there. Mm-hmm. They don't have to think about plot. They know what happens because it's already been written by other people in the 70s. So plot's out of the out of, out of here. You don't have to worry. So character. It's like none of the characters. They're all, for the most part, they're all established characters. So you already know what they're going to be like. And they're not like comedically subverted. They're just not consistent. Tom and Jerry fight. Cool. How about a movie where Tom and Jerry don't fight and they're in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Okay. So they're mostly working together with a couple moments where they almost get at each other's throats and then they're immediately stopped by another character. For the most part, that's what happens. There's some hijinks, and Tom is the butt of a lot of stretch and smush things. Um, Charlie, the innocent child, 
hits Tom the cat with a newspaper in his mouth, which also stretches and morphs him. Why is this child who's innocent being so violent to this cat that just doesn't fit with his character at all? And he doesn't want to steal the candy like Tom and Jerry want to. They steal a whole box of candy to gift Charlie. And Charlie doesn't want the candy. But later, he's, Grandpa's like, you should take some soda while Willy Wonka... I'm sorry. Yeah, Willy Wonka isn't looking. Charlie says, okay, that's a good idea. Let me steal the soda. You, you've, you've gone way ahead. I know. But I know. I, <sighs> do, do you just want this episode to be over? It's bad. Bye. Good night, everybody. <laughs> you try to end. No, no. It's just, it's hard to talk about. Just like, for character consistency, you have to smush the character together a bit. So yes, we can go beat by beat, but I think the characters also have to be like, their moments have to be smushed down to emphasize like why they don't work. Well, I, th- I think if, if we're looking at things, there's three main characters in this film, um, for better or worse. There are three main characters. There's Tom, mm-hmm. the cat. There's Jerry, the mouse. And there's Charlie, the bucket. <laughs> Thank you. That didn't deserve a laugh. So, but thank you for something in this movie needs a laugh. <laughs> right. So there's Charlie. There's Tom. There's Jerry. Charlie is the Charlie that you know from the film, in that he's poor and lives with his family, his four bedridden grandparents and his mother, um, and they eat cabbage soup. Tom and Jerry. If we look at them outside of this, if we look at them on their own, who are Tom and Jerry and what are Tom and Jerry about? Hmm. They're itchy and scratchy. They fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. Yeah. Uh, They're they're Looney Tunes-esque. They're Looney Tunes who aren't Looney Tunes. And then Chuck Jones went and did some Tom and Jerry stuff. So some of it's as good as Looney Tunes there. I said it. I think there's redeeming parts of Tom and Jerry. There are. There just are. not for the last 40 years. True. I mean, and, uh, and Tom and Jerry have been in their own movies. There was Tom and Jerry the movie in the 90s. I, I would list that among their successes. I'm not, okay. saying, I'm not saying it was a success. I'm saying they were in things. <laughs> they were used in, they were in that movie and they were given voices for the first time ever. Because they're like, how can a mouse and a cat who are mute? And that was the beauty of Tom and Jerry is they were wholly physical comedy characters. It was getting hit with ironing boards or smashed with irons or slammed into walls or hit with baseball bats or stabbed with knives. I mean, it was it's all physical violence. That's Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Physical violence, itchy, scratchy, as you were saying. That's that's what they were all about. So why these two characters? Why would you take these two characters who don't really have a moral compass at all? You know, they don't have anything um, redeeming about them as far as being more than two animals who fight each other and try to one-up each other and beat each other physically. 
they don't really have anything to add to this plot to give to add something to Charlie. Yeah, they they detract from it because if you're linking them to Charlie, they're the exact opposite of Charlie. Yes. Who? What is Charlie all about? Charlie is just this kid who loves chocolate, and specifically Wonka chocolate, and just wants to see the magic of the factory and have this wonderful experience and be able to provide for his family because they're poor. And he doesn't have much going for him in life, and he just wants to have this once-in-a-lifetime experience. And he's just so innocent, and that's what he wants. He's such a good-hearted kid. And instead, we have paired him with Tom and Jerry, who are not at all innocent and seem to time travel among different cultural (laughs) mythological storylines. Like the, I think the most horrifying part of watching this movie for me is finding out this is a series of these Tom and Jerry movies, like Tom and Jerry colon The Wizard of Oz. And this is the first one that the greater world has come to know through the glory of the internet, sadly. Because it sounds like it shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. That It sounds so outlandish that if somebody had pitched it, it would have been laughed at and forgotten after a couple moments. Like, no, I'm not going to say that. That's that's. We already we already got political last time. We're not going to say anything this time. So, <laughs> writers get political. <laughs> uh, but it's, I think they're forgetting that, as you were saying, Tom and Jerry are just the antithesis of who Charlie Bucket is. And anyway, in any case, they they do align with the character of. Grandpa Joe in a lot of ways, because one thing that you don't really see in the original movie just so clearly, and I think it's because his appearance in Tom and Jerry, colon, Willy Wonka, Chocolate Factory is so minimal that they only give him the parts where he is, where his actions are questionable or are unethical. When he tells Charlie, hey, let's take these fizzy lifting drinks. Mm-hmm. No one's looking. Let's drink. He does that in the original movie. Mm-hmm. But something about it seems worse here. And at the end, he's like, hey, let's take the everlasting, everlasting gobstopper and give it to Slugworth and we'll make a lot of money. Yeah. He does that in the original so he's the shoulder devil, mm-hmm. but now things are weighted where now we have three shoulder devils. <laughs> and it starts off much earlier in the film of Charlie just being manipulated by people who are, you know, going through questionable means to get these goals. So as you were saying, there's this, I, there's this contest to their five golden tickets and chocolate bars. And Tom and Jerry, who have befriended Charlie. For some reason. For some reason, they ran against each other in the street. And Charlie pulls an Aladdin and gives them a loaf of bread, even though he's hungry. He knows that they're hungrier. And so 
just like I think this movie does in a lot of ways, it uses a shorthand device to tell you hopefully everything you need to know without giving any real character substance. Here, here's a poor kid who gives somebody worse off the bread he was going to take his family. Now, it somewhat undercuts it because he had two loaves of bread. Thank goodness. Other, mm-hmm. Otherwise, he probably would have been beaten at home. Um, but he he gives them bread and also shows them his business card, which was really, really strange to me. He's like, here's a business card I drew. So you know my name, and now Tom and Jerry can show me their names using... Because as a newspaper delivery boy, I, of course, have business cards in my pocket. And so it's giving, having him give away food is just so easy to say, like, look how innocent and good Charlie Bucket is. Then to immediately have... Tom and Jerry go in, and it's an extended scene. It's probably one of the longest scenes in the film of Tom and Jerry breaking into the Candyman's shop and stealing a newly delivered box of Wonka bars. Yeah, the whole like stealing and re-delivering takes up a lot of time. Like by the right after they get into the factory, I pause the movie to like take a break because you need to watching this like i encourage sanity breaks and i was like oh i'm almost at the end of the movie i'm 20 minutes away but they just got to the factory because <laughs> there's like a whole episode of tom and jerry stealing candy like in the middle of the beginning of this movie and then they go to charlie and ask and charlie asks them did you guys buy these yes they're a cat and a mouse and they went to the candy store and bought a box of chocolates to be fair, this also highlights for me later when Grandpa Joe, bedridden Grandpa Joe is in bed and pulls out a candy bar and says, I was saving up for this. Like, how'd you earn money, Grandpa Joe? When'd you go and buy that? You stole this candy bar. And you, like, he stole it. Like, that that's my conclusion watching this version of the movie. That, that he stole it. He probably, because he can walk. This man can walk. It's just, yeah. One of the biggest problems about Grandpa Joe is the fact that he can walk. Anyway, he walks over. I'm sure he stole one of the bars that fell, spilled out when Tom and Jerry showed their stuff. He, he took one of those bars. Okay. I'm sure he did. You didn't see him because he probably could move faster than he <laughs> lets on. So this is the kind of question that you know this movie makes you ask is, just how devious is Grandpa Joe? Yeah, he felt like a bad guy. Yeah, he didn't feel like a heartwarming, charming guy who, you know, sees certain opportunities. Like, when else are we going to be in a factory with drinks that make you fly? We got to do this now because, kid, I'm out of bed for one day. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going back into bed. Let's live it up. Let's drink and rise to the ceiling. YOLO, Charlie, YOLO. (laughs) I think that would be a fun song. YOLO, Charlie. YOLO, Charlie. It would still be a better song than co-opting Veruca's song for Slugworth. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about that too for just a second? Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. 
my only question about this moment is, why? <laughs> why did this happen? So, of course, Tom and Jerry meet Mr. Slugworth. Um, and then Slugworth, for some reason, gets a song that he sings to Tom and Jerry. But it's Farouk Assault's song of I Want It Now. And then later in the movie, Faruka still sings the same song. So yeah. I don't know why they have the same song. <laughs> My, I guess they wanted Verukas to seem like a reprise, I guess. And then it becomes a duet. And I was like, what? Wait, and he's singing it too? Yeah. I. Veruca got a lot of attention in this movie for some reason. I don't know why. Like they added more onto her plot at the end. Oh, I, I'll save that. That's, that's, uh, they show her in the furnace and they almost get burned to death. Like the, yeah. the fact that this, this shows that she was going to die. She was going to straight up die. Willy Wonka was going to kill that child. Mm -hmm. She barely made it out with her life. You know, when he's in the movie, you're not sure if he's joking. You're not sure if he's. You know, telling the truth. Oh, that's where the furnace. Maybe the furnace isn't on today. Blah blah. No, he knows the furnace is on, and it's going to kick on, and it's going to kill her, and that's going to be one less terrible person in the world. Two, actually, because it's her dad and her. But her dad like gets redeemed and like takes her away by the ear and stands up to her for the first time. So is it like? I was going to say it's almost like showing that the parents can change and are changing their children because of the experience they had in the factory. But then Mike TV still happens later. Um, it's a lesson that's not earned by any means yeah. because there's been no buildup to that particular moment. You don't see a give and take between parents and their kids. You don't see that now this is suddenly the parents throwing off the yoke of control that their kids have over them and are assuming that, no, I am the parent. There's nothing like that built up in there. Yeah, I've always assumed that Willy Wonka, The Chocolate Factory, is about bad parenting, not bad kids. Yeah. Yes. It, it becomes so, a little more obvious in the book that that's a long, you know, children need to learn these lessons. And who should be teaching the children these? Certainly not the owner of a chocolate factory. <laughs> That's the last person you want teaching your kids things. <laughs> the the whimsical owner of a chocolate factory cannot solve all your child problems, parents. We can't keep relying on the chocolatiers of the world to teach your children the valuable lessons that they should know. Little orange men cannot, cannot do the parenting for you. I know it seems like parenting is all like songs and morals, but it's not. It's spending time with your child, getting to know them. If you want songs to help control the behavior of your child, that's what Daniel Tiger is for. <laughs> Go watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and learn how to have actually useful songs, like about going potty or, you know, getting dressed in the morning, like things that are useful. Mm -hmm. Not not just about don't chew gum. Like, okay. like learn life lessons. <laughs> Hashtag Daniel Tiger forever. Now, um, but do you say meow? No, I said I said Daniel Tiger forever is what I said. I meow. Say, meow. Um, here's what I want to say about Slugworth's song. 
Okay, because Shoot. because they they straight up stole that from. I'm saying straight up a lot in this episode. I feel really weird about it. I put it in the notes at one point. Did also. you? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> they straight up stole that song from Veruca, of course. So it's no longer her sentiment. It's him. And this movie goes so far towards convincing us that Slugworth is Slugworth, is the bad guy. All of his actions prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this person is Slugworth. You don't give somebody a three-minute villain song that's a street art fever dream. Mm Mm-hmm for somebody who turns out not to be the real villain. Because you're pushing it so hard that they are, it's not even charming that, oh, I see, this is funny because he's not the villain. Because it's not. And I was, while I was watching this, it's been so long since I've seen Willy Wonka, like I got to the scene where Slugworth is singing, I was like, this is really high quality for this movie if they made this song up. But I feel like this is in the movie, but Slugworth doesn't sing it. And it took me a lot of place that it was Veruca Salt's song. Yes. And it, I guess it feels so out of place because as an original moment, it's too good for this movie. Yeah, the only, th- the only way that it would work is if it were truly Slugworth. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's an interesting take. They're actually putting Slugworth in the film. I was like, that's an interesting idea. But it's still not Slugworth. But it's still not Slugworth. They took the reveal later that it's still Mr. Wilkinson who works for Willy Wonka. But everything, all of the behavior of Slugworth, all of it, and because they add more, they add a whole other chase scene where he's chasing Tom and Jerry Again, singing again, but Mm -hmm. everything that he does, everything that he's doing, there's no way to reinterpret or change his behavior to know all he's doing is manipulating things to help move along Willy Wonka's plot to give the factory to a deserving child. There's no way that like, oh, it could be misinterpreted because All he was doing, all you see of Slugworth in the original film is whispering into each of the kids' ears, and then you meet him for a moment with Charlie, and you hear the pitch that he's giving, give me an everlasting gobstopper, and that's it. And then you don't see him again until the end, and Charlie goes, oh my gosh, it's Slugworth. But the fact that he's everywhere throughout trying desperately to stop Tom and Jerry from helping Charlie... That you're like, this is the bad guy. Yes. And I think what confuses us further is Spike the dog. Yes. Talking about character consistency. Yes. Because we first meet Spike the dog as the candy delivery man for the candy shop because apparently a dog can drive a truck and talk and deliver candy and have a job. Ignoring that. Assume that. Suspend your disbelief. <laughs> all this can happen in this world of Tom and Jerry, Cole and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, Spike the dog is this rigidly moral character in the first scene who's against stealing candy and wants to stop the candy thieves. And that's this shit. You're like, okay, I get it. You're the Tom and Jerry villain part of this movie. And then he's not because he goes from being the rigidly moral against candy stealing to working for Slugworth who's stealing candy. 
And to further confound that, at the end, when it turns out the Slugworth is Mr. Wilkinson, Spike the dog says, I didn't know I was working for Willy Wonka all along. Like, how did you not know? <laughs> Whose side are you on, dog? I don't understand. Like, you thought you were actually working for the bad guy, but that's okay, because now you're with all the good guys. I don't... There's no character resolution. Is he rigidly moral or rigidly evil, or is he just dumb? I don't know. I think he's whatever needs to be to pit him against Tom and Jerry. Yes. And that's the problem with him because he's also like Rodney Dangerfield. Well, he was, that's, that was pretty close to what the original voice of Spike was in the Tom and Jerry shorts. I know, but it was still just like, yeah, it seemed like too much somehow. Yeah. Who knew? What is going on here? Oh, this is going to be painful. It's just like, what, what's happening here? I thought we were done with him after the, the break-in to the chocolate factory I was, or the chocolate shop. I thought we were done with Spike. And when he just kept coming back, I was like, what is, what is happening? Why is he still around? Why is he, he still a thing? And the, the fact that they team up just... I'm not going to say this movie would be better without Spike. That'd be a lie. It'd be just as bad. But it would make a little bit more sense if Spike ended after returning the candy to the shop. Yes. If that's always on was of Spike. There's no reason for him to be in the rest of the movie. Or if at the end he finally catches Tom and Jerry and brings them in. Yes. At the end. Also... One of the other weird things that happens is Tuffy. Can we talk about yeah. Tuffy? Tuffy, the Oompa Loompa intern. Which I laughed at. So congratulations, <laughs> Tom and Jerry, Colin, Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory. I laughed. Is so, that your default favorite thing then? <laughs> I guess. I had a positive reaction <laughs> to something <laughs> in this film. Um, I laughed at that, where Tuffy the mouse... Famous, who's a Tom and Jerry character, is an intern, but can't be a full-on Oompa Loompa because he doesn't meet the height requirement, <laughs> which is also kind of funny on its own. I'm like, that's kind of that's kind of humorous, but um, that they have certain rules like that. We get to see backstory of the Oompa Loompas. We get to see, you know, like what's going on with the Oompa Loompas and how Tuffy tried to get a job and where the Oompa Loompas came from. And I was like, that's weird to have that in this film, but I guess it works because apparently we're not following the main plot anymore. Yeah. I guess we have a budget to animate the Oompa Loompa homeland for 15 seconds, but we don't have a budget to like animate more than blinking eyes for most of the other scenes. <laughs> uh, I have so many feelings. And there were hardly any Oompa Loompas in this movie, except in the Mike TV song, where there was like this overt Oompa Loompa romance time sessions moment. I don't know if you caught that. I didn't, but in looking up more articles on the making of this, I couldn't find any articles of interviews with the creators or the artists or anything. But they I found, use pseudonyms and are hiding from the world. But I found um, a picture of the moment you speak of and was like, oh... 
I, I miss that. <laughs> it's worse in movement because they're singing and there's like l- very slow light bouncing and those lifeless eyes are just they're staring into each other. <laughs> like it's clearly romance time sessions during the Mike TV song. Clearly some RTS happening. Yeah, some RTS. Trademark, writers get animated. If I could find the um, gif of that, I will uh, put it in the show notes. I don't know if I want to look on the internet. We'll have to make a gif of that. That's what's happening. We'll need to give that to the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the, the other thing is like, so none of the employees know that Slugworth is actually Mr. Wilkinson. Willy Wonka is the only one who knows this. And he's putting it very, playing it very close to the his chest on this. So even the intern thinks that that's really Slugworth. And I guess Slugworth is, or Mr. Wilkinson is going full on Jared Leto and like staying in character no matter what happens that he's Slugworth. And he like tries to kill people and... Yeah, so does he actually look like Slugworth in reality? Or is there no real Slugworth? It's all this made up myth about the chocolate factory. Yeah, is Willy Wonka have two factories where he's his competitor and himself? Is there a competitor? No one ever buys Slugworth chocolate. There's no Slugworth chocolate in the movie. Yeah, they keep talking about it, though. Maybe but, it's like it's like the Toblerone of the 1960s. <laughs> it's like, this exists, but it's in another far-off country called Europe. You can't get it here. Now, one thing that I thought about with Tuffy being an intern... There, there's, I mean, the, I think the whole movie is a missed opportunity, but <laughs> a missed opportunity to not happen. Right, you missed the opportunity to say no. To not make this. <laughs> you could have said no, but you said yes. And, and now that we're in, a, in the dimension where yes was said, <laughs> we're in the Berenstein Bears dimension. <laughs> I swear it was Berenstein. Anyway. The here's the thing. If you look at Tuffy <laughs> as a character who Do wants I have to, I, here we go. Okay. Who who wants something? Tuffy wants to be a full-on Oompa Loompa. What skills does Tuffy need to become a Oompa Loompa, other than height, singing? And sing, you know, what are the skills this character needs? And can Tom and Jerry help this character achieve those goals? I mean, they do help Tuffy gain some height. But is there anything else in the actions of the main characters that can help this random side character that you've introduced reach their goals? Because throughout any of this, the two characters or three characters who have any goals are that are somewhat consistent are Charlie, I want chocolate. <laughs> um, Tuffy, I want to be an Oompa Loompa. And Slugworth, while he's Slugworth, <laughs> I, I, want, I want everything. I want the world. Uh, I want it all. I want the whole world. Yeah, is he Russian or German? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not... Austrian? S- Austrian. I want the world. Um, so, it's, it's hard when Tom and Jerry don't want anything. 
or don't help Charlie towards his wants. They only, the only things that they manipulate for the good of Charlie are once they re once they've decided to go straight and take the candy that they've stolen back, they sell bottles back to get recycling fees. Cause that was a thing at that time. Yeah. They get the recycling fees so they could buy chocolate um, so they get the money, but then they drop the money, and lo and behold, it turns out to be the money that Charlie finds in the drain. See? They made them integral to the plot. Nothing about that moment changed. Nothing changed about it, except that, oh, that money came from Tom and Jerry. Isn't that clever? Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that Charlie... And Grandpa Joe, on the day of their tour to the factory, forget or lose the golden ticket. And Tom and Jerry take the golden ticket to them in a sequence that is about four minutes long. Yeah, and it's four minutes too long. Of, of them just honestly losing the golden ticket Again and again, like, oops, oh, now a bird has it. Oh, no, we have to go get it from the bird. And they're getting closer and closer to the front gate. And Willy Wonka's like, oh, hello, Veruca Salt. Oh, hello, everybody else. Hopefully this stalls long enough for Tom and Jerry to get here with your ticket. All the way across town. Yeah, like what this what this does. <sighs> this, you know what this feels like? This feels like a romance novel. It's not even that they wanted to fill an hour and a half with Tom and Jerry escapades and jokes. They wanted to fill an hour and a half in any, by any means necessary. And that's what we get. We get random filler that means nothing and does nothing plot wise and isn't funny and isn't dramatic. It's just four minutes of getting a ticket across town as filler. It's like you had a chocolate bar that said it was full of peanuts and caramel, and it turns out, and it's just a hollow shell. Like there's, no, there's no filling in this. It's just, it's barely chocolate. It's like the image that just went viral on the internet of some, some woman using the, uh, the Domino's pizza ordering app for the first time and forgets to order sauce and cheese, so it's just bread and pepperoni slices on top of the pizza. That's what this is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> poor woman. I, you know what? And I'm sure that she now knows how to use the app and I celebrate that and that's great. But I don't know that the, the people who've produced this movie know how to produce a future good Tom and Jerry movie. Well, because I'm sure next we'll get Tom and Jerry colon Star Wars or something like that. No, they're, they're not involved with Disney. Thank God. Well, they'll have to be with MGM. So it'll be Tom and Jerry colon Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I would actually watch that. That has potential. <laughs> a four-hour Tom and Jerry epic. As God is my witness, I will never go hungry again. Punch, punch, it, punch, <laughs> punch, whack. Oh my God! And can the 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 romantic lead just be like two cats stacked on top of each other? <laughs> What are you two doing here? 
Oh, and then Bammy can be in this one and still be equally as racist as she is in the original Tom and Jerry shorts. Oh, man. Mammy. <laughs> the Tom and Jerry character you didn't need and never wanted back again. Oh, my gosh. So uh, this movie, all this movie understands is the plot of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It doesn't understand. Does it? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, it doesn't really. Understands being in air quotes here. The only thing, and it doesn't get a lot right about that. Again, because it leaves certain things out, so that way we can follow Tom and Jerry. Yeah, like songs are happening, and instead of listening to the song, we get Tom and Jerry scenes with faint music in the background. Exactly. And the other thing is we get Tuffy in possibly the best sequence of the film. Tuffy giving the boat monologue of traveling through the horrifying, you know, horrifying tunnel of nightmares, which I think they should have just shown more of the movie in the tunnel. <laughs> like the tunnel should just be ghostly images of what you've already watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is in a movie where they're already animating lifeless, unblinking eyes. We have Tuffy standing, like barely touching the wheel of the boat, not looking where he's going, staring lifelessly as like these psychedelic colors wash by. It turns an already terrifying sequence into this more terrifying, soulless, <laughs> stealing scene. And the voice acting is marvelous in it. And I don't use any air quotes on that. The voice acting is really. <laughs> That's why I say it's the best part. I think it all comes down to the voice acting. And then the um, the animation just goes bonkers <laughs> in terms of Tuffy's character animation. Like, yep. It goes full on, what, what I equate it to is full on Tiny Toon Adventures, 1990s animation. That's where it goes to. It doesn't harken back any earlier than that. It just, that's what we're animating to. It, it feels like... 1990s Tiny Toons. Mm -hmm. Nothing against 1990s Tiny Toons. But yeah, it's it's good. It's just it was in the 90s and this is in 2017. Yeah, and I think I, I can't say this, you know, in general, but in in 2017, I think we look for characters to mean a little bit more. I don't think we I don't think it's easy enough to have characters who just hit each other. I, yeah. I, and I, I don't know. I think that it, it can be done and it could have been done, but it wasn't done. Yeah. If that makes sense. Here's here's part of what you could have done. If Tom and Jerry and, and I know that this is unfixable, but one thing that you, a place to begin is if Tom and Jerry live with the Bucket family from the jump. Yes. If that's where we start, that these are the circumstances that Tom and Jerry live there and they're all poor and Tom and Jerry try to help Charlie sell his newspapers and Tom and Jerry are just so worn out with hunger that they can't fight each other. And then when they get hepped up on um, candy and sugar, 
that they can go into hitting each other at that point. Or, you know, there's this rivalry between them and stuff. But also, it could you could also play it off that Tom is the pet, Jerry is the pest, so Tom is trying to make sure that he has enough food by making sure this pest doesn't get anything. And there could be this, well, we're doing it for the good of Charlie, mm-hmm. but we hate each other for some reason. Yeah, instead of being street animals that only Charlie beats and they're okay like leaving in the house without Charlie for some reason. Yeah. There's many opportunities where this could have, I won't say be good, but could have been steered in a better direction. Yes. His, I could see a nice running gag of Tom always being thrown out of the bed with the grandparents. Yeah. Like he always like bubble. he always gets in and then they kick him out. Great. Awesome. Like, because you're thinking about how this world reacts to these characters as if they are in the world, as opposed to the movie of Willy Wonka running while these other characters are. It's it's like, ooh, here, here's something that it feels like sometimes. So imagine you go see the film Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi when it comes out, and you stand up in the middle of, as it's showing, so it's being projected on the giant screen behind you, and you have your friend take a, a their phone out and take video of you as you stand up and go, look at me, I'm in Star Wars, I'm getting my Jedi training. I am a Jedi. Well, 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 I'm fighting you, Kylo Ren. Pew, pew, pew. And then posting it on YouTube. That would be including a character better than Tom and Jerry, colon, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, you know what's better in this movie? Having two TVs next to each other, one playing Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and one playing Tom and Jerry shorts. That would be better than watching Tom and Jerry, colon, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Because they didn't think about how they influence each other. They just knew that both had to happen. Yeah. Going back to our ice cream example, instead of having like this wonderful vanilla chocolate swirl with wonderful toppings that make it even better, you have Neapolitan. Except Tom and Jerry are the strawberry part. Nobody wants strawberry. Take it out. Get strawberry out of here. They're just completely separate, but they're next to each other. You like strawberry, I know. <laughs> I feel like that was a like dig at my ice cream preferences right there. So, With the exception of Chris, who likes strawberry, nobody likes strawberry. <laughs> I guess for Chris's example, it would be... Um, the chocolate. Know, van- the get chocolate. The, get the chocolate out. Well, you're clearly wrong, which is why I gave the example for the rest of the world first. I hate chocolate. <laughs> I hate chocolate and its ice cream cousins. <laughs> get chocolate out of here. Dark chocolate, maybe, but chocolate just. So if you're Neapolitan, Tom and Jerry, whatever of the three flavors that you hate the most, get it out of there. (laughs) And just have Willy Wonka. Yeah, just have two other ice creams side by side that kind of work together. Okay, so I have to ask this because we ask this always. Um, (laughs) Mackenzie, did you have a favorite thing? I did, but it's kind of sassy. 
It's um, in the scene where they're at the chocolate waterfall, and then Charlie thinks that he sees a glimpse of Tom and Jerry from a distance, and he turns to Uncle, Uncle, turns to Grandpa Joe, says, Grandpa, I thought I saw Tom and Jerry over by the river. And then Grandpa turns back and says, Tom and Jerry, you must be imagining things, Charlie. And in my head, I went, if only, Grandpa Joe, <laughs> if only. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite thing was the moment where they could have made this entire movie in the imagination of Charlie and then continue with just an animated version of Willy Wonka for the next hour for some and reason it would have been fine. Yeah. My, my favorite thing was, I know that I laughed at the intern, but I did also laugh at another part, um, which I was looking through my notes and Tuffy, it all, it all harbor, you know, goes back to Tuffy. But Tuffy comes back, and I can't even remember when Tuffy said it, but Tuffy just goes, oh, fudge. <laughs> I missed that. It, it just it, it's really, it's a big throwaway joke, but like, oh, fudge. <laughs> and it's like, yes, thank you. Someone says the joke we've all been dying to make. Oh, fudge. For 50 years, no one said this joke. <laughs> right. Like you need a oopaloop and go ah oh, fudge, <laughs> and then be like pouring fudge into the rivers. Oh. Why would they pour fudge into the chocolate river? That's why he's saying oh fudge because he fudged it up. Anyway, <sighs> let's talk homework time and get away from Tom and Jerry, Cold and Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, I think we're going to need to go to a faraway place for this. Let's go homework time. After this much chocolate, you need some greens in your life. So in honor <laughs> of the release of Al Gore's documentary, an Inconvenient Sequel, we're going to talk about the original Inconvenient Truth, Fern Gully, colon, The Last Rainforest. I know there's a lot of jumps and stretches in that homework, but you got it. You got what it's going for. Hop on so, to Netflix, watch Fern Gully for next yes. time. Fern Gully. Bow, bow. Do, 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 do. Bow, bow. Anyway, as always, thank you to uh, Jacob Reed for our theme music and to Nigel Catino, our engineer. Catch us on the web. Tweet at us your thoughts about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or Tom and Jerry Cole and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. If you have seen it, or the trailer, if you have specific questions about it, tweet them at us. Go like us on facebook.com slash WGAnimated and go check out our show notes because we will post things that you may want to read about this. And, or not. Or not. At our Tumblr, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. And you should also leave us an iTunes review with your favorite ice cream flavor. Nothing else about this episode of the podcast. Just leave us a review on iTunes with the only word in your review being your least favorite ice cream flavor of Neapolitan. And I think I may have to get some Jennies sometimes very soon. Yes. In summary, go get some Jenny's ice cream. If you're not anywhere near Jenny's ice cream in Memphis or Atlanta or Columbus or Cincinnati or Chicago or L.A. That's right. I know where they all are. Um <laughs> I'm like a walking Jenny's advertisement. If you're not near them, most of the time you can find them at Whole Foods. So go to Whole Foods near you. Go to the freezer section. Find some Jenny's ice cream. They usually just have like one or two there. The salted caramel is pretty good. Um, I'm just going to stop now. And the immortal <laughs> words of Maui, you're, you're welcome. welcome. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.